Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Utah Puck Report. I'm your host, Jay Stevens, along my side. Gary Michaels, how are you, buddy? I'm good, man, I'm good. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Are you all right over there? Oh, yeah. Just uh, one earphone's working over here, so it's kind of weird. Oh, that's not cool. Uh, no. All right. Uh, <laughs> I'll be fine. Our guest today is a legend of local hockey. Holy cow, yes, he Oh, is. man. I don't know that it gets any more legendary than Don Korth. No. Don, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So, Don, um, you've got, I mean, you've been involved with hockey for how many years? Uh, I started in 78. I've been in, around hockey since uh, the Golden Eagles the first year that they were here. We we went and I went to one game and I was hooked. And But uh, my boy Darren, he started when he was 10 years old and uh, that was in 78. And and it's uh, just kind of went from there. All right. So, so was that what got you into hockey? Was your son starting, or was the the Eagles coming here? Because you didn't grow up playing hockey, right? No, no. <laughs> we played on the canal with uh, skates that was, had no support in them or nothing. Because <laughs> uh, no, uh, one of my neighbors asked me if I'd like to go to a hockey game, and I said, "Oh, not really." And and then in, about two weeks later, he says, "Hey, do you want to go to a hockey game?" And I says, "Yeah." And once I got there, I, I was hooked. Uh, Lenny Frigg was one of my favorite players. Oh, yeah. Hard skater, hard worker. Uh, was a great guy. and uh, Only met him once, though. But uh, So that's really got... And then Darren just become interested when he... Darren was really little, was just barely born when we first started going. And uh, then when he was about 10, he says, hey, I want to play hockey. And so we, that's how it got started. Oh, cool. I, I remember going as a kid to the uh, the, the Golden Eagles and uh, not knowing the game, hockey. You know, I didn't, I'm like, well, yeah, it took, it took what? me, yeah. it took me a while to, to learn. We spent hours and hours over at the Murray rink where the, the old Murray outdoor rink, oh, yeah. bit, where they put it on their old swimming pool. Yeah. We used to go over there at night and skate and skate and, uh, Darren got got pretty good skater and and stuff, and then he wanted to play goal, and so he played goal. He's from about after about three years, he started playing goal. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I loved it, but uh, yeah, it was good, and we uh, so we just spent a lot of time trying to get 
get to know the game and stuff like that. It's too bad that we that they closed that old Murray rink down because it was that was I mean that's the first place I ever skated too, and it was just. And I, I, Gary, the same as you, and apparently the same as you, Don, the first way I got introduced to hockey was uh, a couple of high school friends took me to an Eagles game. Yeah. That was the first time I ever saw it, and I definitely was interested in it from that point on. And you could go and just pay a couple bucks and skate, because you couldn't play hockey there. They didn't have figure skating there. It was just put yeah, on those it, plastic skates and it was, skate. Uh, it was a, pl- a great place to play. I. I don't think I went over there very often that I didn't see the Kuala Wachucks. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they were just little little guys. Yeah. Yeah. I've and heard uh, they'd scoot around all everybody, and I, <laughs> I, I thought, man, I wish I could skate like them. And and then they left, and so, you know, they went to Canada for a while, for where they really got going. And so. Yeah, I've tried to actually reach out to Stevie to try and get a hold of him and have him yeah. on the show, too, and Brian. But, uh, Stevie, like I had his phone number and he had a camp and I had his email and I, all of it's changed. And all the people that I knew that grew up with him, uh, you know, Mike Brennan and Jeremy Miller, yeah. they used to have his number and reached out to them. They're like, oh no, the number doesn't work anymore. So yeah, we've got to track him down because obviously he's got I, quite a story. I, I heard he, still, he, he went up to, uh, Fernie, you know, he would, yeah. he, he went up to Fernie and did some stuff up there and, and that's in Canada and, uh. But somebody told me he's back in Colorado, so I don't know. All right, well, we're going to track him down. I want to tell you, uh, uh, now I've lost my trend of thought. Anyway, go on. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> okay, so, Don, it's, it's, your, your kid was 10, he was playing, and at some point you decide, you're like, you become a coach. Yeah. How, how did that happen? What, what was your first team you coached? Well, first of all, my, my attitude is basically – the way I, I do things is that I'm not going to be standing on the sidelines waiting for something to happen or, or, or I, I just, I dove right in and, uh, started to go and I wanted to be an assistant coach and, or do whatever. And so, uh, Buzz Burns says, Hey, you can come and he didn't know me and he didn't know I couldn't skate, but anyway, <laughs> he, uh, he came and, uh, and said I could be be his assistant coach and so i couldn't wait for that day to come to go there and what team was that huh? what team i don't know i don't it was just like a, a youth team yeah a youth okay team. all right and at at the time uh i worked at uh, the milk Creek spire station and so every day i got off a shift i would go over to to hygia yeah and skate on my own and stuff and a couple of guys come and help that came there quite often too was helping me try to learn to skate and go backwards and all that stuff and and so 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 how many so that's what that's another thing you and I obviously have in common is uh Salt Lake County Fire you were for how many years were you a fireman 31 years 31 wow. years that's awesome and you retired in 2005 2005 wow You've got, I mean, you've left quite a legacy there too, and you know, we all, your name still comes up quite a bit when we talk about, and people are telling it's stories. All bad, though. No, no, it's not all bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not all bad. There's, there's the one story that you told the other day that I'd heard before with the, um, the Don Corth doors, which is a, which is a great story, but it's not a bad story. It's just one of those things that happens in the fire service, but no, it's just stuff like that. We've all. Had things, and do you care to tell that story, or should we? What about the doors falling off? Yeah, but uh, you well, were at I, sta- was that at station seventeen? Yeah, it was. Uh, I was at station seventeen, which is on Redwood Road, right across from 
community college. It's no longer there, but uh, but anyway, I was given a tour. I like to give tours. Uh, I thought I thought that most firefighters didn't give very good tours. And these are kindergartners, okay? And this was in the middle of the day. And so you open the doors up, and you show them around and stuff. And and the, our engine set right next to the coat rack, so you you couldn't open the doors on that side, which is the passenger side. And uh, so I said, "Oh, I'll pull this out. Everybody, get out of the way." And so. But I left the one door up, and it hit that hit that beam in the in the fire station, yep. and that door comes down and goes kaboom, and it's about five hundred pounds, so it's they're very very heavy, and he comes down and bang, and all the little kids started to cry, <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was almost in tears myself, and it it wasn't a fun day. I I couldn't. I couldn't even really function. It wasn't so bad for me. Yeah. It didn't hurt anybody and everything. I got suspended. You did? Yep. Oh, that uh, part, I never heard that part of the story anyway, before. Anyway, uh, they told me for three months, and about a week and a half after I was suspended, the chief calls up and says, you guys come down. I want to talk to Korth. So he went down there, and he, and he looked at me, and he says, you can drive now, and that's all he said. Wow. <laughs> so you're back. So for those that don't that don't know, so on the, on the older fire engines and still some of the ones we have now, instead of the the doors on the side, you know, all the equipment yeah. doors, they opened out instead of being roll up yeah. doors. So and they uh, were big, heavy doors. When you'd open them up to get out your your air pack or an axe yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah. and they just hang up. And Station Seventeen, the old Seventeen, is it was really narrow, and there's a mark on where you hit part of the door but you know what there's a marks on at station six old station six yeah. and like all the places from the the Kearns. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like our reo speedwagon it's, it's exactly like our reo yeah. speedwagon which is why doors. i'm one of the only ones that's willing to drive it is because i've been basically <laughs> driving those things forever well, you like to break down in it so oh I'm, man I, I, so we have it. a we have a 1954 reo speedwagon that we use for 1035 the oh, arrow yeah yeah it's very cool it used to be a fire engine it used to be a utility engine yeah, like well, an iron light Ariel, that used to be a Used to have trucks. They used to make oh, yeah. trucks. Yeah, and th- this one we have vapor locks all the time. So, oh, yeah. I, <laughs> a lot of times Gary and I are going out to concerts or whatever together, and he's following me in his truck, and then I'll just have to pull over and wait <laughs> yeah. to, for the fuel to cool off. But anyway, okay. So let's get let's get back into hockey. So, because we could tell fire stories, you put firemen in a room, and they can tell fire stories, <laughs> yeah. and none of them are most of them are not arable, <laughs> right? And, right? And, most and they, of them are, are... You know, they, all stories, even hockey stories, get better every year. Yeah. <laughs> right. it, it, it happened 30 years ago, and they can't even hardly remember what the hell happened, but they, they, still, they, still, they still tell them. Yeah. <laughs> they just make That's it more it creative is. that way. Yeah, for sure. All right, so you start coaching. And, man, you've been coaching forever. So you started with Buzz Burns, who, again, is he's another hockey legend, coached forever. And then had his son Larry, and then their grandson played with my son as well. And mm. I mean, again, so that's that's in Utah. You're like you're Utah born, and you guys have. No, I, was, I was actually born in Montana. Okay, I've well, been in Utah for a long time. Though, you're so. you're a Utah guy <laughs> though, and and yeah. you your oh, Utah yeah. your hockey experience is all Utah, and you guys come in and create knowledge here, and and learn and learn, and then start passing that on. Because when I when I first started playing hockey, which was in 1989. Like, you were already the guy. You were the reference. So you've coached all these years. And at what point did you start working with USA Hockey as their – like, because you coach coaches. Yeah. Um, 
First of all, I, I, uh, when 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 I started, there was no there was no le- there was one level one, level two, and level three, but you didn't have to do any of it, and uh, uh, if you didn't want to, and not until 1998 did USA Hockey make it mandatory okay. that you that you do some coaching, but it was a kind of a it was a pretty well organized program, but it was still kind of. Uh, spread out, and they didn't have much uh, direction of what you could do. So, for instance, you you could take a level one, or you could take a level three, and then a level one if you wanted. Oh, okay. And 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 they kind of progress up. And uh, in 2011, they changed that to what it is today: is that you can't you can't do that. You're only one level, and it, it expires. And every other when they when they first started. Everything was good for three years. All of them, that level was good for three years. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, that's kind of how it, how it got going. And in USA Hockey, I started in uh, 2003 with USA Hockey. And uh, it was, and the reason I went there, I, I wanted it, was because I got assistant coaches that are coaching uh, uh, Bantams or Peewees or whatever it was that we were coaching. Uh, and they only had one clinic a year, right? And uh, and if they can't make it, then it was it was it was bad. And so I went to uh, uh, Al Bloomer, which is uh, in Montana. He's a he, he was a national chief for a long time. He wasn't at that time, and he was over our district as our district coach and uh, chief. And and asked him, and he kind of gave me a, a bad time, and he says. Who are you? What da da da? And I says, well, I'm willing to to take this on and do it, and make it so that people can can get certified. And so that's how I got involved in it. And then then I just just took off from there. And and we and my one of my goals was to hold hold uh, clinics in in different places so people didn't have to drive and work so hard to get it. Right, because. Yeah. I mean, to be a coach in USA Hockey, it's one, it's voluntary, and two, you have to be certified, which means you have to pay out of your own pocket yeah. to go be certified. Right. Yeah. And then I did that last year. Yeah, level yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and I, I, it's it's cool though, like the ex, the people you've got to meet coaching all those things because, oh. like, when I took my level four from you, you brought in Constantine and uh, the the yeah. old Air yeah, Force, yeah. the Air Force coach. Yeah, uh, that yeah, Tony. Yeah, he's phenomenal right. to learn from. Oh. And I remember thinking, uh, and I, I never, ever should have thought this, but I was like, man, I don't need my level four. Like, what am I going to go learn today that I don't, that I haven't already learned by sitting on the bench for the Grizzlies or playing college or whatever? You know, I figured I'd had enough experience, but I just thought this is going to be a waste of time. And I went and I learned a ton. And it's so, and I've seen, I've talked to so many people that say the same thing. Like, what do I need to learn? And it's like, right. We we as Utah guys have a lot to learn. Yeah. And when you bring in guys like Kevin Constantine and what was the guy's name from Air Force? Saratoni. Saratoni. He's phenomenal. Yeah. So he tell was, tell us some stories, man. You've he, tell who he, who have you met? He he uh he was uh Frank, the Air Force coach is is very colorful and he's he's a he's a really a good speaker. Yeah. Constantine too is yeah. uh I enjoyed him a lot, but uh, I've been to Lake Placid uh, three times. 
if you ever go to Lake Placid, plan on about a day and a half to get there. Uh, there's no easy way to go to, right. to Lake Placid, New York. Uh, anyway, uh, and so I met all these these guys, and, and uh, I don't you don't really get to know them a lot unless you happen to just be in a group with them. Yeah. And uh, uh, so, but I met a lot of. A lot of great coaches, like uh, in from juniors and stuff. Uh, Mike Hastings is the one that coached the junior, the World Juniors this year for the USA. I roomed with him a couple of times in uh, when I was with Lakeland camp. Oh, okay. I did Lakeland camps. Uh, they were camps mainly for junior kids that that didn't have an opportunity probably to be looked at and stuff like that. But they were very high level, very very uh, uh, organized. And I did that. I just happened to get into that. Uh, Paul Contreras, a guy from Colorado, called me and says, we're going to have some Lakeland camps here, and I didn't know anything about them. And he says, uh, will you bring some Utah kids? So I, I took like three or four like that were on the Rebels uh, that were like Chris Thomas and a couple other guys. Oh, yeah. And I take my skates, always take my skates, because you never know when you might get an opportunity. <laughs> right. And so I went up to the guy, to the director of it, and I says, uh, I uh, would like to uh, help with the camp. And he says, I says, do you need any help? And he says, yeah, you do. He says, uh, John Harrington just left. Can't do it. I don't know if you know who John Harrington is. He played I, in the 80 Olympics. Oh, okay. And, oh, yeah. and I, Those and are big shoes I to says, fill. Yeah. Big skates says, to fill. Yeah, I, I can replace him. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no problem. Put me in, coach. Yeah, yeah. Where's the foil? Um, so uh, uh, anyway, I got I was put in, and uh, I I was given the opportunity. It uh, I got a pretty outgoing personality, but that was very intimidating. I bet. And I could I just sat there for, for the first two or three sessions and didn't say much. Well, everybody had to ref, and I'm not a good skater, so. I ref and I'm refing and I get in the way and the puck hits me right in the chest. And I go, <gasps> and I fall down on the ground and everybody gets around me and wonders what's going on. And I says, oh, I think I got kicked by my wife harder than that. And, and, and that put me in, that put me in the, in the groove with them. And I did it for 16 years. And, and wow. I always tell everybody I was a gopher, but I, it was really really good for me and i got to learn a lot i learned how to recruit i learned how to evaluate and oh. and things like this things that you need and you're talking about not thinking you got it all you don't need to learn anymore i i tell people that if they will go to a mic practice they will learn something yeah for sure and it, it and if 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 we just go and and study what the what they're doing there's a lot of great drills that are are given at out in the youth the youth hockey. Yeah. I mean, Gary, yeah, you is. know that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that there's there's so much that you can learn from any practice you go to. Yeah. And it's not it's not that you know you probably know a lot, but it, it, it's still there's a lot to learn. And that's uh, it. That was the eye opener that I got from my level four, and then I tried to take that same attitude. I think that's one of the things that kind of changed my attitude of coaching is that man. And I don't know, maybe I just didn't want to go to the level four that day and thought I could skip it and just get the cert. But, man, <laughs> every chance you get, there's there's something you can learn. And you can learn from so many coaches. You can learn from a guy that's never played, 
which a lot of people, because like you're saying, people are like, well, who, who are you to come take over this? Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter if I've never played before. If I, I'm putting in the time and effort to coach and I'm learning, and you can be a book smart guy that can coach. And there have been those, yeah. there have been players or coaches in the NHL that were never players. So you're right. I mean, there's always opportunity to learn. And that's something that comes from being a fireman, too, is that you, you can learn every day. Yeah. You can, I've done the job for 21 years. You did it for 31 years. But every day on that job, every day in hockey, you can yeah. learn something more for sure. And there's, there's, it it doesn't. You can learn from a a, a, a little guy, any 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 age you can learn something from. And that, that's just um, uh, there's a saying that says that kids don't care what you know until they know that you care. Oh, that's and, a great saying. I like that. And yeah. uh, that that that's that's kind of the attitude that I had, and and. Uh, uh, so, I'll tell you a little story. Uh, I'm skating around, and these are mites skating around and skating around. And so I go up. This is like the second practice, and I I go up to this little boy, and I says, "What's your name?" None of you. <laughs> and I says, "So that's a pretty good name." He says, "None of your business." <laughs> so, so th- there's. So there's there's all kinds of things that you can learn from kids, and, yeah. uh, and, and, and they, they uh, uh, so yeah, the the coaching is is a never ending profession. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And if 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 coaches don't get eagles out of coaching, I think they're doing something wrong because there there's so many compliments come to you because you're a coach, and that you're infecting you're uh, influencing somebody, right? And uh, it can be the little guys, it can be the big guys, and uh, it's all. And hopefully that's what, I, coaches sometimes lose sight of that. I just posted an article yeah. on our, our uh, Utah Puck Report Facebook page about that same thing. Just keep the focus on, like, helping these kids just have fun mm-hmm. and develop them into, into people. And yes. getting getting lost in wins and losses and getting all caught up in that is, is the wrong way to go about right. it until you're getting, sportsmanship. Until yeah. everybody's getting paid for it. Yeah. So Don, I, I, we've talked a lot with we talked with with Matt, rest his soul, about the spa and the the legendary spa team. But I, I would say the rival to the spa is the Rebels. And that's I, how did the rebels come about? You were telling me a little bit about the logo, but when did you create the lo- the the rebels? Um, it started in uh, about '86, and uh, uh, all the the like the snows and the levees and the burnses and stuff were all on the state team, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of good players out there. And so I said, hey, this isn't the day before you had to go through all the rigmarole the state puts you through now to, to get a team going. And I said, hey, let's just form a team and have some fun. And so that's what we did. And there, Stacy was on it, and and I can't remember anybody else. All the well, Of course, and... my own son was yep. on it. Darren was on it. Wack was on it. Oh, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> we just went around to Idaho Falls to Boise when they just had that one rink. Yep. And uh, – uh, they wanted to kick us out of that rink because they were playing dirty laundry and they had that big old ghetto blaster on there. <laughs> anyway, anyway, that's how that got started. And then somebody says, "We got to get a name." And I, I found some pr- old purple jerseys. I don't, I don't, to this day, I can't remember how we got them, but we had old purple 
ugly purple jerseys. And so so somebody's and somebody says, Well, we gotta have a name and I and somebody says, Let's call ourselves the Corth Rebels. Oh. And that's kinda how the name came about. Yeah. And then the next year, uh all those kids were out of out of midget age, so they went to the juniors and so that's when I started the juniors and we had that team for six years. Yeah. And uh uh, it was the junior C's, which is the bottom of the juniors. It's not. It's it, the juniors are, of course, as you know, is, is, it's, is organized it's, a little bit different than back right. in that day. But the junior C's are still around. The, and they, they're basically kids that stay at home, but are good hockey players, but stay around. But we had some kids from the University of Utah at that time on our on our team. Yeah. And out of the six, this is one of the. Things I'm proudest of is with the Rebels, and uh, probably the Rebels is probably I never stopped thinking about them. Oh, you yeah. know, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. You, you think about them a lot. Uh, not it's not like constant, but but uh, uh, we we uh, in the six years that we did it, we went to nationals four times, and the last year we we uh, we had the national tournament here, and I did. And I'm bragging now, and I'm, I'm probably banging my drum too hard. But that's what but, you're here for. But uh, <laughs> I went and did all the hard work to get that nationals. Not like like they did for the for, for the U14 tournament, where people went from up up up. Right, where you had like but a I committee. Just, and, yeah. One of my goals is that is not to uh, not to wear suits. I said anybody that wears a suit's going to sit. <laughs> <laughs> and so I didn't want them scrappy or or anything like that, or torn Levi's and all that. But but and then the second thing was I wanted to, uh, I wanted to, uh, to have a national tournament here. Yeah. And so I went to the Salt Lake Convention uh, Center or whatever they call it, and and uh, they put me together a great big nice package and all the hotels and everything on it. And uh, uh, and I had to get three hundred dollars, so I, I went to the state meeting, got three hundred dollars. I was happy for that. Wow! Well, <laughs> yeah. But I'd have paid the three hundred out of my pocket if I hadn't, have, because I, I I wanted it. And uh, and so I went to, over to juniors, over to uh, the national, uh, the what they call the Congress, the USA Congress. It's in June every year. Yeah. And. Uh, Presented my my uh, uh, did my presentation, and there was two others that did it, but they never brought no money. But I was the last one to get up, so I say, "Hey, I think I've already got this in the bag. I'm the only one that's got money." <laughs> and so, so we got it, and uh, then a- then after our, after we come back and it's all that stuff, the state took over and they did an awesome job oh, well. of, of putting it together and yeah. and. Uh, uh, so what year was that that you hosted it? 93. 93, okay. Uh-huh. And uh, nice. so we, uh, so that's how that came about. And uh, we become really good friends with uh, the Marquette Juniors, the uh, Junior C team in Marquette, uh, Michigan. Yeah. And we become really good friends with them. And we, uh, when they come, they came for that Nationals. And so we took them out and and did some some uh, little things with them. And yeah. It, it's, and so, uh, yeah. So it, it was. It was. Uh, it was great. Do you remember? So tell me some of the key players that you remember from that. The your last team there from the Rebels that year. You mean uh, 
the local kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, both Levy. Well, not not Jeff. Jeff Jeff played with us one year, and then he went to 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 uh, New Hampshire. Yep. And and then he went on from there. The Levies, the Burnses, the Stacy. Uh, uh, you mentioned Chris Thomas before. Chris Thomas. Uh, uh, Burns. Burnsy, of course. Yeah. So a lot of the kids that ended up getting out of here came through your program at some point in, in those years, right? So, yeah. Well, uh, Lodato was another one. Oh, yeah. We don't hear nothing about Mike Lodato, but he he was a tough customer. He to, almost killed me one time. Yeah, he, <laughs> he he was he was he was tough. Uh, but he uh, uh, those I just loved those boys because they worked hard, and basically, I have I don't have a system where you trap and all that stuff i i uh had some little things that i did you know like two people on the puck when it's in your defensive zone and stuff like that right but i wanted hard work and people to 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 work hard and to be play as a team and and i think i i think one of my one of my strong points is that i can see talent yeah I've been pretty yeah. successful without being really a super, super <laughs> awesome coach. But I've been pretty <laughs> successful because because I think I know how to choose kids. Yeah, and uh, and so it's not your skating, right? It, yeah, <laughs> it, I want it. That first thing I look for are skaters. If they can't skate, that's fun. The when I think of Don Corth, the first thing that comes to my mind is is going into any arena. Where you're coaching, and you can just hear you yelling, "Skate, skate, skate!" <laughs> yeah, I so still you look do for, it today. Look, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Even immensely, I can hear hear you coaching from the stands, yelling well, at kids to skate. I have to tell you a story. Uh, talk about that. Uh, they, uh, uh, Randy, Randy Lewis. I seen Randy Lewis and uh, Mike Manrick was yep. in the in the rink uh, when when I was over there at the A Court a lot. Uh, a lot more than I am now, and it was kind of working there. And they come in, and we're having a skate. And and Randy stopped me, and he says, "Hey, I went to Cottonwood the other night, and I thought you were in the rink." And he says, "Somebody let Don Corth in." Hey, all I could hear him was screaming. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. That's all right to be passionate. Yeah. So uh, tell me a little bit. Um, you you've mentioned before that you you obviously had a lot of dealings with Matt. Brickley, mm-hmm. you guys brought these two, you know, I mean, th- those are the two core teams that have been here since the 80s. You've had to have had some kind of run-ins with Matt. You got some good stories about Matt? Yeah, I liked Matt a lot. Uh, one thing I liked about Matt, you knew that he was honest, had in, had integrity. Some people don't believe that, but he, he knew he knew what he was fighting for. He didn't, yeah. he just didn't come in there half halfway and want to say, hey, this is the way it is. He fought for what he wanted, and and sometimes I thought he just went too too far, or, or it wasn't really worth the fight. To me, I would have just said, right. And but he 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 did it. One night he was ref, and he refed a lot of the games that I played that was up for my teams in high school, and I coached high school different high school teams for about fifteen years. So so. Uh, I've seen him a lot. Oh yeah. And uh, one night he was, and I was just screaming away at him, and, and I never called him a name or anything like that, but just screaming at him, telling him, you know, you're, 
all this stuff. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and after the game, beep, I went beep. up to him and I wanted to shake his hand, and he didn't shake it. Oh. And he says, get away from me. Of course, not that, that nice. Right. And and I so I walked, I was going to go back to him, and he turns around, and he puts his hand like this, never touched me. He says, get away from me. And not that way again. But but so I, I left, and I felt really bad. And I didn't, uh, didn't, uh, and I thought about it a lot, because things like that bother me. Uh, uh, and so I, uh, I thought about it, and, and, felt bad that that we didn't end on good terms right and i don't know how you feel but when i get something like that happens to me i want i want to see that person the next day right right and so about three or four days later he came in we were in the rink the same time i walked up to him and shook his head said how you doing tonight matt and we talked never said a word about that other stuff yeah yeah that's i mean that's one of the things about hockey is a lot happens it's a it's a it's a passionate game. Yeah. It's, and there's back, you know, when you're playing contact, it's definitely a violent game. And, yeah. Leave it on the ice. And yeah, you got to be able to leave it on the ice yeah. and, and be and, friends the next day. And that's one thing I pride myself of is that I, that I don't go beyond. And I try to teach my kids not to go beyond the locker room. Yeah. And stay, stay within reason. And when they get in fights, well, in high school, they used to get in fights in the hall there in Cottonwood. You know how Cottonwood is. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, but they, they used to get in fights there, try to get in fights all the time, and I'd stand in the middle, and, and they, uh, they would. Uh, but uh, one other story about Matt is that uh, he, uh, uh, oh, God, I think I get off on tangent. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He, uh, oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, you know what? We can come back to it. Yeah. Want. So what? If I remember, I'll tell you. <laughs> I, I have because I have a lot of stuff I want to I want to talk to you about, and and so now you've you've helped a lot with women's hockey around here, and who's who's your partner and all that? Uh, oh. Morgan Marinetti. Morgan, yeah. So tell me what's going on now. Are you helping with the University of Utah at all? No, no. Uh, I wouldn't mind helping them out. Um, I don't know if they. Uh, if they asked me, I would probably do it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, I'm not doing anything with them at all. Uh, Morgan and I do a lot of things together, uh, and uh, she's been involved with me since 13. And that and that includes the Course Rebel Foundation. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how that came about. So the Course Rebel Foundation is is it mostly you getting kids into hockey? Are you growing the game, or do you go beyond I, that? I I honestly believe I'm growing the game. Uh, not as not in a in a in a fashion fancy way. I don't go advertise to, but like kids come to me all the time. Yep. I'm having a camp. I'll just give you an example. I have a camp in uh, in June in at Cottonwood, and it's uh, one night a week for six weeks. But anyway, I go and hand these flyers out. I don't know what you what age you go peewees. Yeah, peewee and yeah, right. I hand them. It, I hand them out to squirts and peewees, and I handed this flyer out to a, a team from from the uh, from the county rink, from Murray Rink, and the coach comes, and I'm walking out around the the lobby there, and I at Acord, and the coach comes out, and he grabs me, he says, "Don," one of my players says, "I like Don. He just started me in hockey." 
Yeah, and awesome. That, and that to me is saying, yes, I do grow hockey, not in a big way, but in a in a in a way that that helps kids get started. And a lot of kids would not start without that equipment. Right. Mm. And the the way that Gorth Rebels got started, I've been I've been thinking for a long, long time. How can I stay in hockey and still contribute and do the things that and and be around it? Because I tell everybody I was going to retire, but that was a that was just like talking to a, to the wall. So I decided I just tell everybody now, <laughs> no, I'm not retiring. I'll die before. Yeah. And so anyway, I uh, I thought, what can I do? And I thought, well, I can pay a fee for a couple of kids. You know, the fee is it's pretty expensive. Three hundred dollars is around three hundred dollars. It might be more or less than that, but it's that's. Uh, basically what it is and so so that's what I was going to do originally so I went to Chris Builder and said hey you got to, if you got somebody that needs help let me know well he they they'd work they work with their people with them people and so he didn't really give me anybody to to help out and then uh and so I said I want to get something that gives me an idea gives me my, a name Something that people can relate to, right? And so that's how Corth Rebels, and I'm not leaving the Rebels out of anything. And yeah, that's your, that's part of your identity. Yeah, Yeah, Corth Rebels, and uh, so I just had the foundation, and I tried to get it to be a 501c3, but it it was so hard. I asked people and people that are lawyers and all that stuff, and they said, "Oh yeah, we can help you," but nobody ever helped me. But Mike Holmes come to me one day and he says, "Donnie, I can help you." He says, "I I put to three two or three uh, non-profits together and he gave me the all the forms and stuff and he helped me start it and then I did the rest of it myself. Oh. I did it all by myself. It's a lot of work. A lot of work. Yeah. yeah. And then they they write back to you, do you own the arena? Yes, no, but I wish I did. And, uh, <laughs> and, but but no, and, and it, it took a while and it took almost a year and a half and you have to have a bank account and yeah. all that stuff. It's not. It's not just something that they fly through. And uh, and the day I got that, I remember it was in February of 2012 that I got it. Since you're now a non-profit 501c3. Yeah, right. I went. Through, I jumped through so many hoops with with guns and hoses trying to get that started, and it was always such a pain. And it's same thing every year. People were like, "Hey." I'll help you. And I, I had lawyers. I, at one point, Tom Horgus was going to do it for me. And yeah. I had people that would step <laughs> up. Horgus, I remember him. Oh, he's a great guy. Yeah. But uh, people would step up, and then the event passes by, and then and people aren't as interested in helping no, anymore, no. and nothing gets done. <laughs> and year after year, it would go on. It was so frustrating. Yeah, th- that's the problem with uh, with stuff like like this uh, is that's one reason one reason why it's, it's always a struggle is because – People say, oh, I'll do this. I can do this for you. I mean, I tried to get a board of directors going, oh, yeah. and, and and we never never did get it going. Some of it's my own fault because I don't know how to organize it probably, properly, but just the same. When And then you'd ask people to write letters because I, I write like, like I talk. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> and... And uh, so anyway, uh, and they they say yeah they will, but they don't. So I ended up 
it, most most of the letters I write, like to sponsors and stuff, is is letters that I steal from somebody else. That's somebody, not, yeah, yeah. Everything in my junior days, I never thought of a thought. <laughs> I just stole everything. Am I borrowed? That's how. Yeah. <laughs> That's how that's how I run my camp. That's how I ran. That's all the drills I have. All the stuff I do for my camp. There's no reason to reinvent the wheel. No, I went. I, I, I agree. I took yeah. my camp is identical to Shattuck St. Mary's hockey camp during the summer. Like you're, I think that's smarter. I think the best leaders are the ones that go out and, you know, I add a little bit of personal touch. But you, yeah, it's best if you you know what works. You've seen what works for other people. Yeah. Just kind of adopt that. Make it your own. Yeah, I like. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't think. I agree with you, and, and when I had my juniors, I, uh, I, I went around to about 25, 30. At one year, I, I counted them over 40 people to get $5,000, and that, and that was going around and, and trying to present myself and saying, hey, this is what we're doing, and, uh, of course, you go to hockey people first. Almost everybody in hockey would donate, right. and, and anybody that you had on, on your team that had any money, that's who I hit up the hardest. <laughs> right. And I'm sure they're used to it because that's how it always happens for yeah, sure. Yeah, it, it does. And, and if I was if if I was that way and I would – if I had the money that I could do that, I would do it. Well, you used to do a lot of that on your own out of your firefighter salary, out of a civil servant salary. I know yeah. that you you were paying for jerseys and you were paying for stuff oh, back I, in I the day. I paid for a lot of jerseys. I paid for a lot of meals coming home too. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. Like, like in Everton or uh, – Bellington, Washington. This, uh, we came in home from Canada, and uh, uh, nobody had any money, of course. Right. Because that, that's just the way it was. You know that if you if you don't if you don't want to step up in that, you better not get into it. Right. Because a lot of those kids it's are like going to end up with money it. to your kids. If you're going to loan money to your kids and you want it back, you better quit. <laughs> you better put it in your pocket. But anyway, uh, yeah, we all stopped there and had to had that. At Silver in Bellingham. And that all comes and out of your civil service wages. We never heard another word from him until we got to Boise, Idaho. <laughs> <That's>, maybe <laughs> that was in the morning. It's probably worth the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always worth the money to have everybody sleep. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Don. So th- is, that's what you do now is now you run the Course Rebel Foundation. Yeah. And, and, and part of that, and we didn't really uh, discuss it, is that you have a lot of people donate their gently used equipment to you and jerseys and whatever, and then you're able to outfit and help pay fees for kids that are just getting started. Yeah. And not just kids. I've sent I sent a ton of people your way. I mean, that's one of the reasons I came and donated all that equipment to you is because yeah. I know I send you a lot of kids too, yeah, and yeah. I'm constantly giving your number out for – because it, it, now with the show and definitely with, you know when, you, when I was with the Grizzlies and stuff, I get kids asking me all the time how to get into it, and you get parents asking you, and a lot of parents can't afford it. Yeah, you know, you get these single moms or whatever that just can't—they can't afford to go drop. Yeah. It, hockey is is overpriced right now, and even entry level skates and then entry yeah. level all the entry level equipment. We had yeah. a stick manufacturer on here a couple of weeks ago, and he's talking about how sticks are two hundred eighty bucks a piece now. Yeah, now granted, not for a, a yeah. peewee, but I got my own philosophy on uh, on equipment. What what people pay for equipment. Yeah. And even even the upper kids that play that play uh, three practices a week and plays three games on a weekend plays five or six times a year or a, a week. Yeah, they don't. Nobody needs that expensive stuff. Only be, they only want it because Crosby's got it. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> it makes sense. And, and I've, I've said that too. Like if I play four or five times a week, and, I, and even when I'm with the Grizzlies, I don't notice, um, you know, practicing every day at, at high levels, you start to notice different parts of your equipment and how maybe you would change it. But playing three or four times a week, you don't notice it as much. And you're fine with just a retail, off-the-shelf anything. Yeah, you take you take a pro player. He puts a. They put. They need. They need the good stuff because they put a lot of pressure on their like their skates, everything they wear. Yeah. Because they play so fast and so hard, and they're strong. But you put it on a little peewee kid. It's a waste of time. Right. And uh, I just think that we. I'm watching a game, and it's a squirt game, and this kid's playing with a with a probably a hundred and fifty dollar stick cut off yeah to his level you tell yeah. me why why would and a super parent that makes it that and that co- totally changes it why why would he parents spend that much money to cut off a stick halfway i mean it's just it's just uh, i tell i tell parents brand new parents i tell them you don't go you get to bottom of the line and you will have mm-hmm. great equipment and you i told him i, I says my boys my grandkids played at, a, at, you know, played pretty tough hockey, and they they're strong and stuff. But I said they never had anything like, like the. And I said so. I know from a fact, from my own experience, that it, it works. Right. And so. Yeah. It works, and and you know, getting just getting kids into hockey now. That's that's mm-hmm. what's important, and I, yeah. I think you're doing an amazing job. And yeah, we we work hard at it, and uh, uh, I don't I don't really, I mean. I get a lot of recognition from it and a lot of great compliments from it. Yeah. But and I've been accused of doing it for glory, but that's a bunch of bull. That's a, if I was doing it for glory, I would have chosen something better than it. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I can't I can't see who would even say that because uh, and we're running out of time, but what I want to say that kind of actually brings it right to right to a, a great point is that man, you've been giving since 1978 and your name is known here and it's not because you've done anything for glory. It's because you're constantly there. And people have known for 40-plus years that they can count on Don Korth to help. And you, you said it again. I mean, you're a busy man. But if, if the University of Utah reached out to you, you'd help coach their women's team. So you've helped all these kids. And a lot of them got out of town and got to play junior A. And some of them went on to play in college, Rugelo. And, you know, these guys yeah, that got yeah. to go on and play in college. And they all owe thanks to you. We all owe our own thanks to you, and it's been amazing. Thank you for 40 years of helping grow the sport and, and be just an awesome person in this sport. It's, it's, fun, it's fun to get to know you and, and to be around you. It was awesome to get to work with you at, at, at Salt Lake County and the Unified yeah. Fire with you. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, you're, you're a heck of a guy. It's well, thank you. Not- I appreciate that. I, uh, I uh, tell people all the time I belong to the best two fraternities in the world firefighting and hockey i said uh, you can go anywhere and and you could if you know a hockey person no matter whether you know them or not you can go up to them and say hey, i need some help with my car or you can go to a fire station and say i need some help with my car or something yep. or you have a problem i'd yeah, agree with yeah. you 100 percent. yeah you know who else probably needs some love is your wife man because putting up with 40 years of you <laughs> giving all of your spare time yeah so that, do people that, give her enough thanks? <laughs> <laughs> so, Next podcast, but, but it, part it, it, two. It, my wife, my wife knows a lot about hockey. I bet. And, uh, <laughs> so you don't want to test her too much. You might, <laughs> might find out what she does really know. 
Well, all right, Don. I, again, I just for the whole community, I just want to say thanks. Thanks for coming out, sharing some stories with you. I feel like you're you're somebody that we're going to have to have on later in the summer or something to come back and and because I I know that you have enough stories to fill up your own show <laughs> after four after forty years of dealing with I mean not just your own one podcast I mean you could have your own podcast a weekly podcast of just Don Corf telling stories about <laughs> hockey okay for uh, for yeah. everybody else out there. Just uh, one, one more thanks for Don Korth. Thank you. We appreciate being here and letting me talk. And Gary's looking forward to having you out at some of his kids' practices and, and helping out there. Yeah, I see him almost every Thursday yeah. at a, a, a court. Yeah. And then for everybody else, if you want to learn more about what's going on in Utah hockey and you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, it's super simple. And Don and I were talking about it earlier. All you got to do is text the word PUCK to 57500, and it'll come back and it'll have a bunch of instructions. And it doesn't matter if you're on... If you have an Apple or one of the other units, super easy. It's super easy. So it's Google Play or iTunes. It's super simple. And if you can't find it that way, just go to kslsports.com, go under podcasts. We're going to have tons of stuff there. And that's that's it, Matt. Don, once again, thank you. Thank you very yes. much for having me. Gary? It. Absolutely. Thanks for your love and support. Of course. <laughs> Talking, <laughs> baby. Thanks for being an awesome hockey person as well. And that's <laughs> it for this week of the Utah Puck Report.